It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, September 24th edition of the show. It's the week four reaction and recap show. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE. You can follow me on Twitter at Winning Cures if you want to do that. That's the uh, the show's official thing. So I'm going to, uh, until I get my official one back, <laughs> then I will be over on that one. You can follow over there at Winning Cures. And of course, the gentleman with me. I like the... Uh, I like the hair. I like the sunglasses. I like all this. Matt Huey, uh, tell them about you. Tell them where they can find you, all that good stuff. You can find me on social media, Strong and Healthy Rehab on all media. I figured I'd wear this since it was like a big Pac-12 weekend, West Coast, <laughs> surfer vibes. I will say, now before anybody gets mad, for, I will say I'm two for three on making someone from some fan, random fan base mad. I have lived in California. It's a it's a joke. <laughs> but Pac-12 play was pretty good yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Pac-12 was a lot of fun. Had three ranked matchups yesterday. Uh, Brock already hops in. He said you was you was wrong about Alabama. Don't sleep. Uh, yeah, uh, he said this team is coming together. Roll Tide. So we'll talk about that game. Um, but I'll go ahead and tell you there were still a ton of mistakes. And I know that Lane Kiffin had to have used every swear word in his daily allotment yesterday because Ole Miss played dumber than Alabama did. The, the all right, did you have eyes on that game, Matt? I did. I, I so, I mean, there's Ole Miss people in the household, so <laughs> that's one game that has to go on. I was also very interested because Ole Miss they will play SEC teams very well. Yes, especially Alabama. They're going to play them very hard, and they're going to play LSU very hard. And I was like, mm, th this could be interesting. So I, I made sure to watch that one. They got LSU this week, like coming up week five. Uh, this was who is going to outdumb the other. And Alabama had more talent. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin overthinks this game every single year. Every year. He wants that win over Nick Saban so bad. Uh, but this year was obviously not the year. Uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, Brock said somebody lit a fire under that defense. They came out firing on all set. They did in the second half for sure. I mean, that was, that was something else. It, it was, it was a wild game. We'll say that it was a wild game. Let's, uh, let's go ahead. First off, uh, anything that stuck out from the weekend to you, other than, you know, the seven games that we're going to hit on quickly. And then before our rapid fire, uh, but any, you know, any news, anything that was intriguing to you yesterday? I, I will say Oklahoma. Now, I'm here in Texas, so Big 12, whatever we are, whatever they are here. So I hear a lot of it. And this week, a lot of people were talking about Oklahoma. I said, let me watch them. I thought they looked pretty good. Um, You know, I watched toward the end, and I was like, well, Okay, and they, they look like they have a pretty good schedule going forward, except they got uh, Texas in two weeks. But and their quarterback, that, and their, their quarterback, is, yeah, yeah, it's good. They got they got like a pretty pretty good schedule, so they should. I mean, they at least what 
nine, 10 wins out of it. But I also heard the quarterback was doing, playing very, very well. And he looked pretty good. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel's good. He's a, what, a sixth year senior at this point, or maybe fifth year. Uh, I think he got a medical red shirt and something. I, who knows? But he, he yeah. fits that Jeff Levy offense really, really well. The guy yeah. that's behind him, Jackson Arnold, is, I, I think that he is going to be even better than Gabriel. But Gabriel is the senior. He's the guy that, you know, has been in those wars. You're going to see some of uh, Jackson Arnold in, in blowout games. Um, but he's he's the real deal. Oklahoma has the signal callers now. Uh, we'll just see about the rest of it. We'll see about the defense. Yeah. Defense looks good thus far. Yeah. It, they hadn't really played anybody. Yeah, the Calvary It thing. hasn't. I mean, Cincinnati was kind of a test. They got Texas in two weeks. But that, but the, but the Red River, whatever they call it now, what is it? The Red River robbery, River, Red whatever. River robbery. Yeah, it's, whatever it's the, it is. It's the Red River shootout. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's. I always any any um um whatever rivalry game, you throw everything out the window, especially two teams that come in like that. Like they're both going to be pretty good coming in. And I will say, I will say, you probably can't do it this year. Texas State Fair is going on all around that. If you come to the Texas state fair, the Friday before that game, it's a ton of fun. It is. It is amazing. A lot of Texas, a lot of Oklahoma stuff, like just kind of sprinkled about it. And so it, it's, it's pretty fun because it's right there at, 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 the, at the cotton bowl. It is. Yeah. It is pretty cool. You just, you just a, I think I might need to do that next year. Yeah. Get I might fit. need to do that next year. So yeah. once, uh, once Murphy gets a little bit older, Yep. Like that, that could be a lot of fun because I mean, yeah. it'll be an SEC game next year. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. And they, it, it's, so like I said, I went, I, I went one year and I was like, wow, this is a lot of fun. So I'm interested Most, for that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about our top four for the college football playoff. Who would we have in our playoff this morning? Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you start us off this week. I, uh, I went first last week. I've got my four written down here. Uh, we'll we'll see what you have uh, for your four right now. So Georgia still in it, Texas still in it. I watched them against Baylor. They look pretty pretty solid. I mean, it's a in-state rivalry type deal with Baylor. I mean, two-hour drive between them. Okay, Michigan. I'm still kind of on the fence about Ohio State. They played pretty good, but mm, I think Michigan wants that. Once, once another national title. And I put USC back up there because Florida State just kind of felt a little shaky to me. It's just a little, you know, Clemson's a good team. <laughs> but but I feel like, okay, like Florida State's just going to, we'll just let, let you down. Something's going to happen this year. It just seems like something's going to happen with Florida State. So Georgia, Michigan, Texas, USC. I could see that, I think. Um, however, I've got Florida State number one. I think they got the two best wins in the country right now. Going to Death Valley is still difficult, right? That, yes. Clemson yes. was, I mean, that was a, a team with their back against the wall. They were in wounded animal mode. They were, they had to have this. Because Clemson, now that they have lost, they are now 0-2 in the ACC. Their, their shot at a conference title is, almost completely done like they've, they've still got some tough games too and obviously other teams can lose along the way so it's not like they're completely out of it but you come out of the gate oh and two in the conference uh it's tough to get back up there yeah. very very tough 
So I've got Florida State number one because the win over LSU and Clemson, uh, that tells me all I need to know about this team. Yes, they got flaws, but I think everybody else has flaws too. Uh, number two, I'm with you. I like Texas. Uh, that offense, rolling. Uh, they did not play down to the level of competition this past weekend. Uh, they handled Baylor the way that you were supposed to handle a team with a backup quarterback. So it didn't matter if the game was on the road, whatever. They uh, they took it to them. Number three, bumping up this week. I did not have them in my top four last week. I've got Ohio State instead of Michigan. I, I, I think the wins have to matter. And going to Notre Dame, who I think is certainly a top 10 team, potentially a top you know, six, seven type team uh, with Sam Hartman, with all the emotion having to get that thing done last night. That was a, that was a big time win. So I'll put Ohio state at three and number four, new to the party pac 12 team. Not the one that you talked about. You talked about USC. Uh, I like Washington, man. Michael Penix, that offense is, they put up 45 in the first half on Justin Wilcox's defense last night. It was Incredible. They had over 400 yards passing in the first half. Like I, this team was unreal. Watching that game, I want to go to that stadium and oh. whatever they scored, how just crazy the place went with a lot. I'm like, whoa. Yes. That looks like a lot of fun. It's incredible. It's incredible. That place is, is definitely, I mean, those fans are legit. Absolutely oh. legit. So, yes, I. I would recommend it. Uh, I would like to get up there at some point. I have not been there. I've been to Fresno. I've been to Stanford. I've been to a few others, but uh, but not up there. But I do want to go because, I mean, they get into it. I think they there's like a the sound or something's right there. So, like, you could part. Like, they don't tailgate. They, like, party on boats or something like that. It's weird. It's a, a very Tennessee kind of vibe. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, like what they got going on in Knoxville, the Vol Navy or whatever. Um, let's Let's jump into it. We got some games to hit on. So we're we're 10 minutes in. Let's uh let's go in and hit the first one. Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. Uh first off, uh, you I'm assuming you had eyes on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, the Marvin Harrison injury that looked like it might have been a season ender, and then he's right back in the game not that long after. Uh what in the world was that about? Like it these guys. I swear I see this more often where it looks like guys are just, oh, this is a devastating injury. He may not come back and blah, 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 blah. And then they're back within a few plays. Like, what? what is the difference between now and, you know, way back when, say like a decade ago, when if you took a hit like that or you twisted something or whatever, like you were certainly going to be out. What uh, What is the difference between now and then, I guess? I, I, I guess it's just a screening of them. Did you, you're bringing the guy back and you're just screening them really well saying, okay, Hey, there's really nothing going on. I mean, that's something we do as in medical, like it, it's not like put them in a machine or something like that, just our assessment. And it's just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're okay. Some just doing something and yeah. And it gets them back. I've been surprised by that too. It's like, like that was a pretty hard hit. Okay. Two plays you're back out there. Yes. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it, but either way, it was a phenomenal game. And, and Marvin Harrison Jr. did come back in. He uh, he only had three catches for 32 yards, which you can see over here. But uh, this was not really – not a lot of offense. Anybody that mm -hmm. had the under had to be feeling good at halftime when this thing was three to nothing. I mean, it, like, it, it did not get going for a while. Uh, you saw all the memes on social media uh, by halftime where everybody's, you know – 
got the guy poking the uh, the the logos with a stick, like <laughs> do something, just yeah. do something. Um, and they did in the second half. I mean, they got after it in the second half. It it was ten to nothing. Ohio State. Notre Dame finally woke up on offense. Uh, they were able to, you know, get down the field a couple of different times. They scored touchdowns, and hey, uh, Ohio State gave them the ball back with just a few minutes left on the clock. Notre Dame had to give it back to them with what a minute fifty, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around there, and they drove right down the field and scored on effectively the last play of the game. Um, but this was, I mean, this was nuts. Just yeah. awesome. Audric Estime uh, did great running the ball. Uh, what I was surprised by is that Notre Dame didn't lean on him, right? Mm-hmm. Only 14 carries for 70 yards. Um, but the love kid, eight carries for 57. Price, three carries for 22. Like, they have a stable of running backs uh, that were able to do quite a bit here. Sam Hartman wasn't super impressive, but I didn't expect him to be against the Jim Knowles defense. 17 out of 25 passing, 175 yards. He did have one touchdown. Uh, this was this was an awesome game. Like, it was. Tell me, tell me your thoughts here. It was. It was just. It was almost just like I'm just waiting for the big play to happen and like just don't screw up. That's what it felt like. Like defense yes. and just then, don't. Of course, at the end of the game, there was an absolutely massive screw up where Notre Dame yeah. only had ten guys on the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it it was it was just it, but it was just showing like again both teams just. We're, we're playing fun. We're, we're playing smart. We're playing good. We're well coached. And it, they were just, they weren't giving those up. I'm like, this is just a battle. Like, yeah, it, 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 this was like a real football fan. Like, you're, you're what you're liking this game. And it was very, it was like, dang, this is just a really good game. Now, I'm a defensive guy. I love when we have like a good defensive showdown because it mm-hmm. feels like every single play means so much more, right? Uh, this was right in my wheelhouse. I mean, it was it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, you look at third down success rate, both teams were pretty good. You look at red zone success rate, Ohio State was kind of terrible, and Notre Dame was pretty good, 56%. Uh, both of them really good in, uh, in run stuff rate. Both of them really good in havoc rate. Like, this was, this was a slobber knocker game. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It's pretty two evenly matched teams just the whole yes. way. And the the crazy thing is, there was nothing. There was not one performance that was just out of this world. Mm-mm. Like Cal McCord was okay, you know, twenty one out of thirty seven, two hundred forty yards, no touchdowns. Um, there wasn't anybody that like took the game over. It was no. just two teams hitting each other with hammers. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it. It, and it's that's nice to see a game like this so early in the well four weeks in four yeah. five weeks in it was good I was like wow this this is what you want as the evening game oh it was good it was good yes hey, uh, the uh, the camera work from uh, the NBC bunch fantastic yeah. absolutely fantastic uh, everything about this felt huge so yes. I don't know that it's going to do the number that uh, that Colorado and Colorado State did last week, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think there were still going to be quite a few people watching. Uh, and the fact that it came down to the wire, I mean that last yeah. play, just Shh. awesome. Yeah. That's like what you that's like what you dream about as a kid playing in the yard, last second, just but as time expires, you score, you win the game. Would you have imagined that we would have a, a Ryan Day versus Lou Holtz? 
uh, narrative going on with this two years post game <laughs> press conference. Uh uh-uh, uh, I missed that. Oh my gosh. All right. So Lou Holtz in the lead up to the game was talking about how Ohio State uh, isn't man enough. They're not physical enough to hang with a team like Notre Dame and just the typical talking mess that, you know, a former Notre Dame coach would say, right? Uh, and by God, Ryan Day, that's exactly why he wanted to run the ball in on that last play was to show, like, we are physical enough, we are man enough, and whatever else. And he was so livid after the ball game. Like, I don't know why he would say those things about our school, and it's disrespectful, and I'm a I'm more respectful than he is, and whatever. It, dude, you just won the game. Like, yeah. It's, it was all trash talk before the game. What are we talking about? Yeah. Like, why are you so pissed off at a 90-something-year-old man who yeah. used to be a coach there? Like, <laughs> I remember Jim Donnan did that to uh, uh, Georgia back in, I want to say it was 2007. Uh, it was the year that Saban started at Alabama, and he went on with Feinbaum or maybe on ESPN or something, and he was talking about how Georgia was not physically – no, it was Pat Dye. It wasn't Jim Donnan. It was Pat Dye. Oh, was yeah. That Georgia was not physical enough to play with Alabama. And I don't know if that was 07 or maybe it was like the year that Franchoni was there. But either way, it, it's happened before. And the and I believe it was Mark Rick that came back and was like, we are physical enough, damn it. Like, we are going to, like, all right. Like, why Why is that what's firing you guys up? Like, why yeah. are you so irritated about this? Uh, it was a great game, though. It Absolutely was. a great game. I would watch that one again. If that ends up being a matchup in the playoff, sign me up. Because I think yes. it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh uh, any yeah, other? I did, I did like you said the the Notre Dame versus Duke. I think that's good. That's Duke is looking really good. Yes, yes, that's where game day is going this week. Yeah, so they announced it last night. Headed to Durham. I'm gonna be excited about this. <laughs> so excited. Anything else from uh, from that Notre Dame Ohio State game that we need to hit? No, just just awesome. That, yeah, just I was awesome. just yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, let's see. Let's close that group. All right, next one on the board. We've got Florida State 31 and Clemson 24 in overtime. And the play that completely changed this game was that defensive touchdown in the oh. uh, late in the second half. Uh, because Florida State, like Clemson had the perfect game plan against them. They had slowed them down. They had mm-hmm. figured some things out. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and pull it up on the screen. But, man, you want to talk about just an awesome, awesome ball game. I mean, just back and forth. Uh, Trey Benson could not run at all. You see these Florida State rushing numbers. 20 carries for 22 yards. Uh, Not great. Sack adjusted, 31 yards. They only had 1.7 yards per carry. Clemson absolutely bashed these guys on the ground. But at the end of the day, it's exactly what we've talked about with Clemson since the Duke game, Uh, since last year in the Orange Bowl. They cannot finish drives. They get down there and they don't trust the wide receivers enough. They don't do, or maybe it's just Cade Klubnik, but they get down there and they cannot make the right decision. So it becomes a, it, it's a disaster when they get down into the red zone. So we saw the same thing happen again yesterday where it was just a mess. But uh, yeah, 31 24 in overtime. Um, nobody scored in the fourth quarter, which was hilarious. Uh, that defensive touchdown was uh, later in the third quarter. If we let's pull up the drive chart here, uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Yeah, Clemson did not score 
at all from, let's see, 332, uh, eight minutes and 26 seconds left in the third quarter is the last time that they scored. Fumble, punt, punt, missed a field goal. Uh, Hey, by the way, what about the fact that Dabo goes and calls a former walk-on kicker to come in and be the guy and then calls the offense to where he is relying on this kicker to win them the game. He doesn't, he doesn't call the game plan to go and just score the touchdown to win. He relies on a former walk-on kicker that just rejoined the team this past week. I, the decision-making <laughs> is, it boggles the mind. What, what were that, your thoughts on this one? Because this was a that, wild game. That was, and you said Death Valley, hard to play. That's another place I would love to go and just, just to feel that energy. But it was just, it was just like Clemson had nothing to lose on it. Pin your ears back, go after them, do whatever. And it, they were, they, they were just sticking it to them. And it, and it seemed like Florida state was over, over overwhelmed at times. Oh yeah. On it, but they kept fighting. They kept fighting. And I was, oh, I, I was like, Clemson is going to, is going to win this game. And it's just going to throw the ACC into this turmoil. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's a mess. That, yeah, the that, that of the guard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you see, yeah, Clemson just kind of dropping back down. Clemson's still a good team. Yes, they're still going to win like nine, ten games. Yeah. They've got yeah, some tough games still left gonna, on the schedule. Yeah, but it just seems uh, like it's like okay, they had their peak. They're coming back. That defensive touchdown. Oh man, oh. I just love. I just I loved it. It was the de- it was the defensive end that kind of swatted the ball up, right? Well, it was yeah, no. Uh, uh, Mafa, the running back, is the one that missed the block. Like, yeah, it was just. But I just love like, oh, big guy thought he, the big guy thought he was going to get it, and he swatted it up, and the other guy caught it. And I just, I love, I watched it, I kept watching it because I like the teamwork on it. And it's like he swatted it up. He didn't try to go for it. He just blocking. And I was like, oh, oh, there, that, oh, that, that was, that was good. That was, and then just the whole, yeah, I, I just liked watching that play. It, it was just good teamwork. Oh, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. I, I I talked on the Bet US show about how I leaned at Florida State. Uh, obviously, the spot would dictate that you you got to bet Clemson in the spot, but I would lean Florida State because their explosive ability. I, I trusted mm-hmm. their wide receivers more, and you saw it, uh, especially in yeah. overtime. I mean, Keon yes. Coleman caught that twenty four yard touchdown pass. It was perfect, and Clemson doesn't have anybody that can do that. Yes, uh, it, was, it really the wide receivers for for Florida State. We're looking uh, great. And, yeah, it came down to that the overtime. What was a tip ball? It was a tip ball. Yeah. Uh, it was like, oh. oh just just wild. Um, the, the By the way, what about the catches by Johnny Wilson? Um, just insane. The, the one where it, I guess it was like later in the fourth quarter, they were trying to do field goal range, and, uh, and he's running down the sideline, and he makes that grab with the tips of his fingers. Yes. Oh, dude's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, like, and yeah. held on to it on the tip, tip, and it was like, whoo. Yes, it was. It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Um, we'll pull up. Let's see if it'll load up. Everything's running slow today. Uh, by the way, while we're waiting on that to pull, uh, let's see. Moff Prof uh, jumped in. Sunbelt performed well this week. Uh, Ninja Danny said, "Can't wait for Notre Dame uh, at Duke next week." John Paul Bacon said, "Hello all." Uh, Ninja Danny 
jumped in and we'll put it up here. I think uh, what would have helped this game is if it was the only game on TV, like Colorado State at Colorado, that would have helped the numbers. Uh, talking about the Ohio State game. Uh, he said, anything about any Pac-12 teams yet? Uh, not yet, but we have got them coming up very, very soon. And uh, I guess this thing is not going to load for me. I was going to look at the win expectancy chart. Uh, but Rusty Taylor uh, said it was under Saban. Uh, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, the team not being physical enough. It was 2007. And Kevin jumps in, watch out for Duke. I love that. Kevin, the singing car guy. <laughs> uh, this was this was awesome. I mean, just it's such a fun game. Uh, you look at the yardage. Clemson outgained them by over 100 yards. Uh, Clemson's postgame win expectancy in this game was, if I'm not mistaken, I looked it up earlier. It was like 90% Clemson mm-hmm. should have won this game. Like, it's just based on the raw stats. And... I mean, 22 rushing yards for Florida State. That's in, but they were, they got the guys right. They can catch the balls. They got the explosive offense. They can find ways to get points on the board. It was awesome. It, it really awesome. did look like Clemson just should have won that game. The way that they played. Yes, everything about it was. It it headed in that direction. Everything headed in that direction. Uh, let's move along, and let's hit on Alabama 24, and. Ole Miss 10. Okay, so I was wrong. Uh, On the BetUS show, I did bet uh, Ole Miss plus seven in that game. Uh, I did – I had had a sum of money on that game, I will say, uh, which was fine because, you know, everybody should know by this point I am an Alabama fan. uh, So I bet against them. Understatement. Yeah, so I (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> understatement uh but i'm not afraid to bet against my own team if i think that they are not in a good position and this offense is putrid i mean they are just bad uh and i i don't know how else to to say it and they still didn't look good they still did not look good against Ole miss uh there was nothing that you could see from this and we'll pull it up on the screen here uh alabama 356 total yards to 301 uh they did the defense is what won them this ball game, a hundred percent. You see right here that Jalen Milrow had. There were only four balls that he threw. Well, three that he threw that touched the ground. Seventeen out of twenty-one, one touchdown, one interception. That does not tell the whole story. Like what is frustrating about this, especially in the first half, you get down into the red zone, he stares down a receiver, and. He completely misses the safety again. So you got another interception in the end zone. That's that's irritating. You have first and goal. Now, this one's on the offensive coordinator. You have first and goal on the one-yard line with an offensive line that averages like 350 pounds, and you line up in the shotgun. What are we talking about? Like, it's it's so frustrating to watch this, this group try and come up with some kind of a game plan because Jalen Milrow is not a passer. He can fling the ball down the field, and sometimes prayers get answered when you throw them up, <laughs> which is what happened a couple of times yesterday. Mm-hmm. There were several deep passes that were thrown that we had guys that were fast enough to go down and get them. But, man, you want to talk about irritating. Uh, it was, you know, the first and goal at the one after a blocked punt, and you had a four-play drive that netted negative 22 yards and you had to settle for a 40 yard field goal when you had first and goal at the one. Cause it, they snapped the ball over his head. 
Uh, he ran out of bounds five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he got sacked after that. It's I, I got nothing. And yes, they did look better in the second half. But my God, you're not going to be able to beat LSU Mm-mm. and Georgia and maybe Tennessee, uh, Texas A&M. You're not going to be able to beat teams like that. So they got to come up with something because the game plan that they have, the the scheme that they're running on offense, and I'm sorry that I'm going on this long diatribe, <laughs> the scheme that they have on offense is built for somebody like Ty Simpson or even the freshman Dylan Lonergan, somebody that can throw the football in the intermediate game. And they have a running quarterback that is very much a Lamar Jackson-esque guy, just not with the same kind of abilities to throw the ball. And they don't use him running the ball. Very few quarterback draws, very few designed quarterback runs. I I don't know what they're trying to do. But the defense saved him again. So, you know, it is what it is. What, what did you see on this one? It, it's just not that Alabama team of old. No. I mean, it, it's that is like the shocking thing to watch. And it's just not them just coming out, crushing them in the first quarter. Just being, you know, I, I can understand. Ole Miss was ranked with 17. They were yeah, ranked. I think they were 15 and Alabama 15. was 13. Okay. Yeah. So you're coming in ranked. It's like, hey, we have a shot. Usually Alabama just comes in there in the first quarter and just just runs the ball down your throat or just crushes you on defense and just breaks your will. And then it's – I will say it was never really fun to watch Alabama because it was always so lopsided. It was just a beating. And it's like it's not even – like it's not even a game. But now watching it's like – Geez, they're struggling. They 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 look mortal. And the, yeah, and then the second half, yeah, they come back and they start scoring, but it's like that doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, it, you got me. I mean, it's wild. Ninja Danny jumped in. I wonder if these close Alabama games are from talent not performing to their standard or the coordinators not knowing how to use that talent. I think it's a combination. Uh I think that all of the coaching turnovers that they've had over the years. It eventually was going to catch up. And I, Matt, you and I talked about this. Uh, eventually, you're not going to be able to develop as much yeah. because you've got guys constantly, you don't establish those relationships because your position coaches are in the door, out the door, like all within a year or two. So you don't have the continuity that you typically would. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, what Tommy Reese is calling the Texas game, when I watched it at first, in the game, it felt like he was asking uh, Jalen Milrow to do things that he he did not ask him to do things that he couldn't do. It's just that Milrow was making bad decisions, right? But when you look at it further and you realize, look, this kid is not going to make the right decision, so you have to be able to put him in a position to not throw the football. You gotta you gotta play that way too. Like you you need more quick out routes you need more just slant stuff to where he doesn't have to think about it and he just goes and throws the football that's what you need but they just i don't know what it is that they're doing um they looked a lot better uh they i mean (laughs) i wonder too that thing that they say about you know the the people who built the dynasty 
who went through the struggle and battle and, you know, they reached the top and they said, then when the next ones start coming in, they're like, well, we're just going to win. It's like, is that coming into it as well? It, like, here's the thing. Saban's been there for 17 years. They've been doing this since 2008 and it's never been an issue. Yeah. But I mean, you do have to kind of wonder like where, if, if they were going to be complacent, like I would have seen that a, a few years ago. Right. Um, but now, I mean, we're past the point of complacency. It's just like this, this offensive line isn't very good. Like yeah. <laughs> that's not very good. The quarterbacks aren't good. Uh, the running backs, it's both, you know, uh, you got senior running backs back there with uh, Jace McClellan and Roy Dale Williams. Um, you just, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I know that the schedule looking at it now does not look nearly as difficult. Uh, they got Mississippi State in Starkville at 8 p.m. this coming Saturday. Uh, and after that, you got Tennessee in there, you got Texas A&M, you got LSU. It's all teams that you could lose to, certainly. But, I mean, it's not... It's not crazy. When you thought about it at the beginning of the year, it's like, man, that could be a national title contender. That could be a national title contender. It's like, yeah, okay. Like a lot of these games, they can still win just with defense and a strong running game if you've got the running game fixed, which even in this game, it, I mean, 45 carries for 131 yards, uh, that's 2.9 per attempt. It sack adjusted, by the way, it was 160. Um, so <laughs> that should tell you uh, how many times Milrow ran behind the line of scrimmage and didn't get rid of the ball. Uh, that's what I was going to mention before. It's 17 out of 21 passing. He did have one interception. So only three balls hit the ground. But there were so many attempts where he just ran backwards and ran out of bounds rather than throwing the ball away. Like, he got outside the box, throw the ball away. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah. Just terrible decisions. Ugh, frustrating. Okay. Uh, anything else on that one? Uh, we, we, we talk about the Ole Miss side. Quinshawn Judkins looked okay. Uh, Jackson Dart could not run on this Alabama defense. Um, and I think that I think Lane just overthought this. Mm -hmm. I think he he came out and had a pretty decent game plan to start, and he overthought it, and it all went to hell in the second half. Probably should just let the guys go out there, like, just go have fun and play. Yes. Just, just go out there again. Yeah, don't over. Just, just do what you. Just have fun. They it, probably would have hung into it a little bit more. It's so frustrating. So frustrating. All right, we got a few more games that we got to hit on. Uh, we may not spend as long on these. Washington State thirty-eight, Oregon State thirty-five, and this was. I had this on my second screen. It was a fantastic ball game, and I told you about Ben Arbuckle. And that Washington State offense, he and Cam Ward are cooking right now, man. They are they are on fire. Look at these numbers from Cam Ward. 28 out of 34 passing, 404 yards, four touchdowns. And, and, and then nine carries for 14 yards and a touchdown rushing. Cam Ward is awesome. Mm -hmm. like it's amazing. His coach at Incarnate Word, where he transferred from after his freshman year, uh, was Eric Morris, who was the OC for Washington State last year. He didn't look like this with that guy. I mean, Ben Arbuckle, the offensive coordinator that came over from Western Kentucky, this guy is legit. And they had a game plan in this. They were up 28 to 14 at the half, 35 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter. And then they had to basically just hold up, like, don't let Oregon State back in this game. They gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which made it a ball game. 
But man, uh, what a game between the the final two teams in the pack two, right? Yeah, I was watching. I had it on on the screen. It was fun. It was fun. It was another fun Pac-12 game watching them. And then kind of looking back, what is it? What was it like? 07, 08 or something? Washington and Washington State with both uh, winless going into the Apple Cup or something? And now look at them. And like yeah, Oregon, yeah. like you don't think of these these teams. I mean, you like glance at them like, oh, it's not going to be that good of a game. Like, no, this was a right. Dang, this is fun to watch. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Any game on the Palouse is awesome, right? Yeah. Washington State fans care, and Oregon State fans care. That's, that's yeah. why it's so nuts that they're getting left out of uh, all the other realignment mess, the realignment roulette that's going on, uh, because they've got fans that care, and both of them tend to do pretty well when it comes to TV ratings and whatnot, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh, they're just good teams with good coaches. Jake Dickert. Uh, the Washington State coach, fantastic coach. Uh, you look at the the difference between rushing and passing. Washington State, 422 yards passing, only 106 rushing. Oregon State, with Jonathan Smith, their, uh, their head coach, he was the former Washington OC. Uh, passing yards, 198, 242. Uh, DJ, by the way, DJU, 17 out of 34, 198 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, and he ran the ball nine times for 61 yards. He was okay, uh, but he did not look like the guy that we saw in the first three weeks. But that mm. that can happen when you go on the road to Washington State, right? Pullman is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun game. I, it was. I, I found myself looking at it a lot. It yes. was. It was fun. It was fun watching. Oh, just crazy. Just crazy. All right, moving along. Another Pac-12 game. We have got... Utah 14, UCLA 7. And you want to talk about basically watching paint dry. Uh, you knew early on that there was no chance that UCLA was going to be able to put up points in this game. <laughs> I, I bet on UCLA because I I thought Dante Moore, their new uh, quarterback, freshman quarterback, which what am I doing betting on a freshman going into Salt Lake City? <laughs> um, I thought he was going to be uh, kind of a difference maker. But I also assumed that UCLA and their scheme was going to have something for Kyle Whittingham's defense. And what Utah had some dudes out on defense. That defensive line, they had a, a defensive tackle that was out. Uh, I think they had a defensive end that was out as well. So I thought the rushing game might be okay. And mm. I was incredibly incorrect. First play of the game was a pick six for Utah. So immediately UCLA is behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. But you you see these rushing numbers, uh, nine rushing yards. Now, sack adjusted, 67. But UCLA got nothing done on the ground <laughs> at all. Uh, Harden, 11 carries, 31 yards. Steele, 11 carries, 29 yards. And then Moore, 10 carries for negative 51 yards. Uh, Utah got seven sacks in the game. They had 11 tackles for lost. And, and UCLA's defense held up pretty well, too. But we did not get Cam Rising back. We didn't get Brent Keithy back. Uh, Utah is 4-0 without their best players. Yeah. I don't get it. What would you see in this one? I thought it was going to be pretty good when they come in, you know, pick six right in the beginning. Like, bam, like, oh, oh, Utah is going to stick it to them. And then, okay, kind of a defensive battle there. And then it kind of got interesting at the end. It was, it but, was pretty nuts. 
It, yeah, I mean, it I, got I, interesting at the end, but that's only because UCLA finally got some points on the board. Yeah. But it was – I mean, this was a destruction of that UCLA offense. I yeah. mean, they just had nothing. Uh, they did run 67 plays, and they averaged more yards per play than Utah. But all Utah needed was that that one pick six, and they were good to go. Yep. Had no issues. And so, yeah, Kyle Whittingham does it year after year. It doesn't matter who's playing on that defense. It doesn't matter who they got available on offense. I, they just find a way to win mm -hmm. ball games, especially in Salt Lake City. Like they are, this team is good. They yeah. are so good. Uh, and when Rising comes back, I, so long as he's healthy and he's feeling like himself, uh, this team is, I mean, they got a legit chance to go back to back to back as Pac-12 champs. Because they, they may not have the offensive explosivity that USC or Washington does, but that defense can hang with anybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the way that the clock rules work now, I mean, they can run the football. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be nuts. Going to be nuts. Uh, we got one more Pac-12 game to hit on. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, let's go on and do it. We're, we're not going to pull any Dan Lannings here. Um, but, man, let's, uh, let's take a look at this. I mean, these numbers are... It, 40 minutes into the game, Colorado had 39 yards. Oregon, 42, Colorado, 6. Uh, the comparison tool is the best way to look at this, right? Uh, let's look at quarters and halves. First half, 378 yards of total offense for Oregon, 21 for Colorado. Colorado had eight rushing attempts in the first half for negative 4.4 yards per rush. They had negative 35 rushing yards in that first half. Uh, this was a complete and utter beating. It was, here we go, through the third quarter. This is the best one to look at. Uh, four, 481 to 72. Uh, forget the rushing yards. I mean, 205 to negative 23. Uh, look at the passing yards. Penalties. Uh, just everything about this was like average yards per play, 7.6 to 1.9. Uh, Oregon, by the end of the third quarter, had not punted the football. <laughs> it was it was so disgusting. Huey, uh, what, what did you think about this one? I don't think we expected Colorado to do much here, so it's not like we no. can take a bunch away from this. But, yeah, whew, that was... That was Oregon saying, "Yo, we're the we're the showboats in the Pac-12." Yeah, that, that that was really Oregon saying, "Like, yeah, you, you haven't really played anybody yet," and just exposing their their weaknesses. Like, just they couldn't do anything. They would, I mean, they tried, but Colorado couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, it was just. I, we we knew that Colorado's offensive line. Now, what's going to be interesting coming out of this is what is Colorado going to look like now that they have finally lost a game, right? What is mm -hmm. what do the locker room dynamics change to? Uh, because the offensive line is obviously the culprit here. I mean, they Oregon oh, got after them. I they mean, did. After, they um, it was. <laughs> Jamal Cooper jumped in. He said uh, it was personal. It yeah. was personal. And and right quick, John Paul Bacon. Uh, jumped in and he said, curious, no coverage for the Washington Huskies. Well, we talked about him at the beginning of the show, but I mean, my gosh, they won about four touchdowns. They were yeah. 45 to 13. Like, 
look, we already said that they're one of the top five teams. In the yes. Country. Slinging that ball around there. Oh, that. Whew. Yeah. Washington's good, but Oregon again, really good team. I like their defense a lot. Uh, Bo Nix, uh, 28 out of 33, 276 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, he's awesome. Yeah. He, he looks really good. Legit Heisman contender here. So yeah, this is, I, I guess what we expected with them being a 20, I think it was 24 point favorite at kick, uh, opened at like 19 and a half was all the way up to 24. Everybody knew, everybody knew that this was happening and show enough. I mean, Shador Sanders, I think we can close the, the Heisman trophy candidacy of, of Shador Sanders, 23 out of 33, 159, one touchdown, uh, 10 rushing attempts, which, you know, sacks and whatnot, uh, negative 34 yards rushing. I, yeah. Like it, the sad thing about this is Colorado can say, well, we didn't have Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter was not stopping this beating. Like this was awful. Uh, this is just bananas. I, I think this helps <laughs> Oregon in the Bo Nix Heisman stuff. Big Colorado. Time. All the hype you're going to watch, you're going to get views and eyes, and knowing, hey, people are going to turn into this, tune into this game. We are not going to let up. We oh. are going to play Here's, at a high level because so people irritated. are going to be watching. They're going to be watching them. They're going to watch us. Lanning talked about that at half. He said, "Look, I hope everybody sticks around for the second half uh, because we ain't satisfied yet." Yeah. And then they come out and they score seven points in the second half, like. <laughs> Your, your team total was 45 and a half. Come on, man. Get the 50 burger. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. The duck was too tired from like, oh, what guess. is it? Like the 158 points they've scored in the past few. Minutes. They put up 81 on Portland state. You're telling me you yeah. couldn't hang 50 on Colorado's defense. Come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Disrespectful. <laughs> All right. Last game before we hit a, a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, let's hit on an SEC showdown from last night. And that would be LSU 34, Arkansas 31. And man, uh, what a ball game. It, I kind of expected it to be like this. Every game in this matchup where Sam Pittman has coached, it's been a three-point game. Arkansas led at the half, 13 to 10. LSU comes out in the third quarter and fires off a couple of touchdowns. And then Arkansas, uh, this this came down to a last-second field goal. Mm -hmm. like, LSU had to win this one at the gun. Look at the total yardage. Look at the the passing yards, the rushing yard, like everything. This was a tight ball game. I, I I don't think that Arkansas is that good, but they just always seem to have LSU's number. Oh, they as do. far as a close game is concerned, they right? Do. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. would you think about this one? Because uh, KJ Jefferson, I thought was pretty good. Uh, the two picks, not great. Um, Jaden Daniels, like the numbers end up looking okay. I. I wondered about some of his play, especially early in this game. Now, he certainly turned it on in the second half. But I don't know, man. That's still, as good as his numbers have been the last two weeks, there's still something off there. And I don't know what it is. I Something just feels weird about who he's throwing to and not seeing open guys and, and whatever else. What, what, do you, what do you see out of Jaden Daniels and, and all those guys? I, I don't know. It's like it, I was very surprised. I'm like, this is a team that they're thinking, okay, you're going to come out of the West, SEC title, national title, and you're letting Arkansas 
who lost to BYU last week. And why is Arkansas just staying in this game? But Arkansas does play up in this game. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, you just, again, you just can't coach the talent. You can't handle the talent that, that comes into LSU because LSU can get some good players. Can you just not con- coach them right? Yes. What is the what is the situation? Why I'm is always, it always close? Yes. I'm always frustrated with, with LSU. Okay. I'm a Mississippi State fan, so I don't care that much about LSU. But it's like they get really, really good talent, but they just they you just can't coach it up sometimes. I just don't understand it. Like it's it, I'll, I'll tell you this uh, big issue with LSU right now is of course the secondary, and it, it yeah. reared its ugly head again in this game because KJ Jefferson, twenty one out of thirty one, two eighty nine, three touchdowns. He did have two picks, uh, so you know is what it is. But uh, you have dudes that are scoring on the secondary that you would not expect right yeah that was it's gonna be how yeah how the receivers were getting that open for arkansas i mean granted yeah you got some talented guys there but it's it's weird it's certainly weird but arkansas i mean they hung in this one um arkansas has a&m next week so that's gonna be something i mean you want to talk about a loaded schedule Arkansas got BYU and then LSU and then A and M. Uh, I, not for me, not for me, bud. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, fantastic ball game. Uh, it was great. It was great. Let's, it was like uh, an S- that, that was like a real SEC game. Yes, yes. That's like, the same with. Like, hey, we'll, we'll talk about the SEC right now. As a matter of fact, because uh, let's jump into the rapid fire portion, and we'll pull it up on the screen. Let's see. Jamal Cooper jumped in. LSU secondary is trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Uh, that's what happens when you bring in like four new starters on, on your secondary. Uh, okay. So let's roll through Missouri 34 27 over Memphis. Uh, this, what they outgained them by like 170 something yards in this game. It shouldn't have been that close, but cheers to Memphis for keeping it kind of close. Missouri 4 and 0. Like their, yeah. their regular season win total was six. They got a chance to to be pretty good. So Brady Cook ended up playing 341 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they were able to run the ball on Memphis's defensive line. That was awesome. Georgia, 49-21 over UAB. Uh, I, why are you giving up 21 points to UAB? Yeah, and it. Are you it's just bad. not focusing enough? I, I, that's got to. They got to be bored. They just got to be yeah. bored out of their minds. Like, because I know this team is way more talented than that. Uh, Carson Beck had good numbers, though. 338 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, UTSA went into Tennessee, and Tennessee exercised their demons from the swamp last week, 45-14 uh, to 14 here. Joe Milton, still not a huge passing day. Tennessee just ran the ball all over UTSA. Uh, but that was a UTSA team that did not have Frank Harris. So 209 yards passing for, uh, for Milton with two touchdowns. Uh, Florida handled Charlotte 22-7. A&M over Auburn. Uh, the only Auburn touchdown was a defensive touchdown late in that game. I expected Hugh Freeze to put up some points here. And no, like <laughs> not even close. Uh, I was just surprised. I'm like, what's up? Auburn? Yeah, not play. This didn't look like Auburn ball. No, no. But I, I think it's going to take a while uh, for Hugh Freeze and, and that bunch to get uh, to get the players that they want. Right to run the scheme that they uh, that they want to run. Uh, Kentucky 
handled Vanderbilt 45 to 28. The total on this game, by the way, at kick was 51. And Kentucky put up 45 by themselves. Do you, hey, by the way, the most explosive play rate teams in the country right now, number one is Washington. Number two is USC. And this is Tom Fornelli uh, tweeted this out earlier. Do you know who the third is? Kentucky? Kentucky is the third most explosive offensive team in the country, right behind USC. Wow. <laughs> Liam Cohen knows what he's doing, man. The the OC that came back from uh from the Los Angeles Rams, uh, and now he's got Devin Leary. Like they are explosive. They are they are really good. Uh, and then finally, we don't have to spend long on this, but oh. I do believe that the demise of Mississippi State was greatly exaggerated after last week's beatdown at home to LSU. Uh, South Carolina did get the win, but this was a tight ball game. It was fun. Um, this was, I mean, Will Rogers had almost 500 yards passing in this game. Yeah. Last week he had like 100 and something, to barely, and then all of a sudden this week he's throwing it all over the place. Like They can't figure out what they want to do. Yeah. And then the, it, I that fumble where he got it stripped out of his hand, that really – swung it back the other way yeah yeah um there was the second quarter for state really kind of got the ball rolling for them uh but man that fourth quarter just three points didn't didn't do a whole lot uh but a close game close yeah game nonetheless. and the running back tweaked his ankle pretty good yeah yeah they, they there were some issues there but uh you know now you got alabama coming in yeah so <laughs> Which I wouldn't expect Alabama to score a bunch of points. So let's let's not get crazy there. Uh, let's talk about the Big Ten right quick. And we'll pull that up on the screen. Friday night, we had Wisconsin 38-17 to over Purdue. That is not surprising to me. Uh, although, there was a lot of money coming in on Purdue uh, to possibly win that game at home. But Wisconsin's roster just significantly better. Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan and Rutgers. This one was interesting early. Were you keeping up with this, like, right when it kicked off? Rutgers went right down the field and scored and then forced a fumble and had the ball back? I was kind of wondering, like, what in the world's going on over there? <laughs> and then, of course, Michigan just put their foot on their throat for the rest of the ball game, and it was they, – they play with their food a lot, does Michigan. That's, that's <laughs> what I feel like. Uh, Iowa, yikes. Penn State, 31 to nothing. And granted, it was the whiteout. It was rainy whatever uh, this Iowa defense is not the same caliber that it has been over the past few years, but the offense is still the same. Uh, did you see the play differential between these two last night? I missed that one. I, did, I just saw it was like, yeah, Penn state handled them. The total number of plays run on offense for both teams. Penn state ran 97 plays. <laughs> Iowa ran 33. It Iowa never had the football. Like it Jeez. was insane. Um, it it was it was pretty it was pretty rough. Uh, Illinois twenty three to seventeen over Florida Atlantic. Um, I so this is more of an AAC topic of conversation, but I think that Florida Atlantic might actually be better with Daniel Richardson at quarterback as opposed to Casey Thompson, who got hurt last week. Um, Daniel Richardson transferred in from Central Michigan. Uh, he was the starter there for a while under under uh, McElwain. So, uh, but Illinois, still not great. That's kind of an issue. Um, Maryland, 31-9 to over Michigan State. Has uh, has Michigan State 
done the Q word now that Mel Tucker is uh, is out of there? Is that kind of how you feel about this team right now? Because I ain't paying attention to them. <laughs> they always let me down. That's another team that lets, lets me down. That's Michigan's the thing, like, right? Like, I always have, like, when I look at the Big Ten, I was like, oh, Michigan State's going to do what? And they just, like, let me down on it. And it's just like. Yeah. It's rough. There's just certain teams that do that. I want them to do just, well. Are you, are you paying attention to the chat right now? Because these guys are talking about Alabama's quarterback situation being yeah, as it, bad, if not worse, than Auburn's. And we're still talking about Washington over here. Look, guys, we love Washington. Wash I promise. Was it Washington? I saw last night. What it was like nine yards per play? Oh, just insane! I'm like, that's video game numbers. Yes, against a legit team. Against yeah, a real team. Just wild. Uh, we've we've only got a few more minutes before we hit our hour mark. Um, Nebraska finally pulled away. They were tied at seven at the half <laughs> with Louisiana Tech. This is not a good Louisiana Tech team. So, um, Indiana. Four overtimes it took them to get past Akron. <laughs> uh, Joe Moorhead deserves a lot of credit here. Uh, he Look, DJ Irons, the quarterback for Akron, had 194 yards passing. He had 18 carries for 141 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Uh, but Indiana found a way. They found a way to get it done. But, boy, that would have been the, the nail in Tom Allen's coffin because uh, that would have been rough. Uh, the other one that I wanted to bring up to you, Huey, Northwestern gets a win over Minnesota at yeah. home, 37 to 34. They were down, uh, let's see, 31 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and they put up 21 points. Now, I, I believe that I talked to you in the uh, in the preseason buildup or whatever mm -hmm. about how I think that Northwestern could potentially be better this year because the handcuffs have been taken off of Mike Bajakian, the offensive coordinator. You look at these quarterback numbers, you ain't seen this at Northwestern in a while. Ben mm -hmm. Bryant, 396 yards passing and four touchdowns. When is the last time you saw a Northwestern quarterback do that? Oh, yeah. I had that one on, too, watching that. I'm like, well, what's a battle? That's a battle right there. Yeah. I did not expect this. 31 to 10 after three, and then Minnesota loses. Mm -hmm. uh, and PJ Fleck will he'll come back and he'll probably beat somebody ridiculous like Michigan or whatever. But this is back to back losses to uh North Carolina and Northwestern. Now, North Carolina, you can understand. Northwestern, a little bit of a different thing here. Uh moving along, let's uh let's swap it over to the pack 12 da, 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 and write the times down, of course. All right, USC. That was a ridiculous game last night. Just absurd. I, I went back and watched it at 5 a.m. when I was up with the baby this morning. Um, <laughs> USC, Arizona State should have never been in that ballgame. No. They have so many guys out, and USC just did not care. Did not care at all. Uh, so we won't even spend time talking about them because that was just a waste of my time to go back and rewatch that. Uh, Washington, again, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Uh, good gracious, 45 to 12 at halftime. I, and it's not like the, it, it's not some crazy, like 600 yards passing or whatever. Michael Penix had 304 yards passing four touchdowns and one interception. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it is video game numbers, but it's also just mm -hmm. how efficient 
this team is. Yes. Oh, they just insane. they look solid. I was watching that. I was like, geez, they they look good. Yes. I hope they can keep this up. I I really want them to keep it up. I, I think it would be a lot of fun to see them going up against some of these uh some of these defensive teams. Oh um, yeah. Well, we shall see. Uh, Arizona, twenty-one to twenty over Stanford. Uh, Ashton Daniels back for Stanford now. Uh, this this line got up to thirteen at one point uh, before kick, and I could not understand it. Like it made no sense to me. Stanford, yeah, they didn't look great against USC when Ashton Daniels was out, but this Stanford team isn't bad. Like I like what Troy Taylor's doing here. Like this is, I think this is a fun team. This is a fun team. Uh, two more conferences. We'll, we'll hit the main conferences. Uh, we did have somebody jump into the chat that said that, uh, the Sun Belt is looking pretty good. And yes, they are. The issue for me is that South Alabama got beat by, um, Central Michigan last night. So yeah, that kind of brings a little luster off of it. Uh, moving over to the ACC and two more conferences, uh, NC state. I kind of hate this team. I kind of I kind of hate NC State. Uh, they were favored by nine here. Virginia should not have been in this game. This uh, this Anthony Calandria kid, it is it is all or nothing with this guy. I mean, he is just he's running around throwing it, you know, forty yards down the field all the time. I mean, it is nothing but explosive plays with this guy, or or interceptions, or what he. There's no in between. It is hilarious to watch. He is maybe the most exciting quarterback to watch in all of college football. This guy. Uh, he's a true freshman. He's got some things to work on. But NC State, like Virginia comes back and scores with 36 seconds left in this game on Friday night. And NC State gets the kickoff back, runs it back to almost midfield, gets another 20 yards, and kicks a game-winning field goal like it was nothing. Like This team drives me insane. So, NC State, you were favored by nine. Go out and cover the nine. Like, it, it doesn't matter if you're on the road. Uh, either way, either way. Uh, North Carolina Pitt, did you watch this one? I missed that one. I, I think I was watching the scores on it. That's another this team. Game, I'm kind of happy that North Carolina's doing well. It, yeah, I, I didn't expect it out of them. But, you know, 41 to 24, even in their best years, they have problems with Pitt. Uh, mm -hmm. Pitt is a complete and utter disaster right now. Get, scored six points on West Virginia last week. And now, I mean, if you put up 24 on North Carolina, okay, that's yeah. cool. But, whew, um, yeah, North, I think North Carolina's great. Uh, Duke is also great. Yes, UConn, Duke. UConn is a disaster. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I think, I think Duke is going to be fired up for this weekend. I can't wait to talk about that game. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Miami, 41 to seven over Temple. They, okay, cool. That was on the road. It was at Philly. Uh, didn't matter. I mean, Miami got dudes. The ACC has some teams this year, Matt. They they got some actual good teams, and it's not just going to be a conference that's run away with you know Florida State or Clemson this year. Yeah, they do. They do. I, I will. It is, but I always feel. What was that on ESPN? Like the will of destiny with the ACC? I always, I still feel that. That's like something's going to happen and it's going to derail it. And it's like, I was wanting that, but oh, something happened. Oh, dude. Uh, Duke, I mean, Riley Leonard is going to be awesome. Uh, Miami, 
there are so many matchups that I can't wait to see between these teams. Syracuse gets Clemson this week at home. You sign me up for that. That's a noon kick. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is at Louisville. Put up 56 on Boston College in three quarters. They didn't even score in the fourth quarter. Like, <laughs> this team, like, there are so many good teams. And Georgia Tech, by the way, Georgia Tech ratings-wise, maybe has a top-five offense in the country right now between their explosive rate and their success rate on offense. That's a team you got to look out for. Wake Forest always comes up with something because Dave Clawson in the, in the claw fence. Uh, Virginia Tech, I think we could probably go ahead and write them off. Uh, 24 to 17 loss to Marshall yesterday. Uh, but Marshall is great. Marshall is awesome. Uh, Jamal said, what's the spread on the Duke game this week? If I'm not mistaken, I think Notre Dame was favored by like double digits. I think they were like the 10-point favorite. Uh, but that was like a super early line. At the the lines come out at 1 p.m. Uh, on Circa. So I've not gotten to look at them yet. 1 p.m. Central Time at Circa, 11 a.m. Pacific. Time. Where are they playing that game at? In Durham. In Durham. Night game Ooh. on ABC. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, oh, Syracuse, by the way, 29 to 16 over Army. Uh, that was awesome. Like that, it, we should have known. Should have known. Uh, <laughs> Army always going to be able to cover spreads. Uh, that is the way that it goes. And finally, the Big 12. We'll roll through this, and then we will get out of here because we're a little over, as always. Texas handled Baylor. We talked about that, 38-6. to six. Uh, Oklahoma, you talked about them to start off the show, uh, and that was a, a just a fun ball game at Nippert Stadium, I guess you could say. Uh, they handled who they were supposed to handle. SMU had nothing for TCU. No. TCU 34-17 to 17 in that one. The BYU-Kansas game was fascinating. Like this, this may be one of the most fun conferences in the entire country. Why? Because every game is just something completely different than what you expect it to be. Uh, but Kansas, Kansas BYU, uh, the Jayhawks win it thirty-eight to twenty-seven, which means this week we have undefeated Kansas going to undefeated Texas. And the last time that they were in Austin, Kansas beat Texas. So <laughs> I am, uh, I am ecstatic ecstatic about it uh Which was surprising with byu after beating arkansas, arkansas last week and they had another big win earlier uh, you know they played like sam houston and like maybe an FCS i thought they had a, i thought they had something else some guy last week was just like you know going crazy about byu because i said something about their age of players oh yeah Yes, they're, they're the players a little older. There's a lot that goes into oh, that. BYU fans got on to uh, Lance Leipold in the buildup to this because he talked about how their average age of their players was like 21 years and seven months or something. Yeah. Uh, that is not common for a college football team. No, so. it's not. And it's not <laughs> like it's ever a bad thing. Yeah, yes. it's, it's not like it's a bad thing. I always think that they're a very disciplined team. Yes, they absolutely are. Keaton Slovis in this game, by the way, 357 yards passing. Uh, he had two touchdowns, but two interceptions. That was a disaster. Absolute disaster. Um, let's see. Texas Tech lost on the road again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they won their only game at home. Or no, no, lost their only game at home. Um, I think they had two home games. My God, I can't remember with this team. Either way, they lost to Oregon. They lost at Washington. Not Washington. Lost you, at uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. Uh, and they lose at West Virginia. West Virginia now three and one on the season, one and zero yeah. in the Big Twelve. Uh, yeah, let's go, Neil Brown. 
<laughs> let's go. I know that he has got to be excited about this because uh, he swore that his team was not the worst team in the Big 12, even though they were picked at in the in the preseason. So, uh, uh, and then finally, Houston got right against uh, against Sam Houston. I think Houston is still really, really bad, but they looked okay here. Uh, Iowa State, 34-27 over Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State could be really bad. Um, and finally, last night, Kansas State, 44, UCF, 31. John Reese Plumley didn't play. Uh, you had some crazy stuff going on in this game. But, I mean, I think it was about what we expected out of, yeah. uh, out of a Big 12 slate, right? Yeah, to come out, I mean, especially Kansas State with the uh, Missouri loss last week. Like, Yes. Got to make up for it. You got that right. Anything else that uh, that you feel like we need to hit on? Oh, no. Another good week of football. Oh, I will say this. I will say Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern. Georgia State. Georgia, Georgia State. State. That was a pretty fun game to watch Thursday night. I just remember, I will say, one thing I am really, like, I enjoy now, these small, I'm going to say it's a smaller school. Now, probably what is known. Probably going to make somebody mad. They're going to be in the comments, like, whatever. <laughs> but the talent level at those schools is, that was a very entertaining game. And I was, I'm thinking, like, man, a couple of years ago, it'd be like, we don't want to watch that. It's, gonna be, it's not going to be that good of a game. That was Fantastic a game. really good game to watch. It's a lot of scheming. In the yeah. Sun Belt and the uh, American, et cetera, it's a lot about coaching. Yeah. So it's, it's I mean, fun. in Georgia State, I remember the first time I ever saw them was they like came over to Alabama and just got just, <laughs> walloped. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even funny. But uh, it was like, no, they just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And that was a very, a, yeah, that was a great game to watch. Sun Belt, Sun Belt football is awesome. I, oh, I think yeah. that's my favorite just pure football to watch like it's every every team is different everything is like you got marshall and south alabama and troy and uh james madison and old dominion all these different things tossed in together and uh, of course not to forget of course app state who is the typical big wig in that conference but yeah that that conference is fantastic they are yeah. so good so good all right my friend Let's go on and close this bad boy out. Uh, of course, follow us on the socials. You can find them in the description below. Uh, you can also like the video and subscribe to the channel. If you would so kindly, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash winning cures. And you can follow me on Telegram if you want all of my plays throughout the week. Uh, that is the best place to find them. Uh, follow me on uh, on Twitter, I guess, at winning cures. And you can find me everywhere else at Gary WCE, Instagram, TikTok. Matt, uh, tell them where to find you as well. Just strongandhealthyrehab.com on all socials. I on there. like it. All yeah. right. Don't ask me for football picks because I'm going to be terrible with it. But if you want like in injury analyst or whatever, I could probably give you a little bit of information on You're that. Oh, yes. I did look up for Juice Wells. I couldn't find anything about his foot. I couldn't find out exactly what the injury was. They're keeping it pretty hush. It makes sense. But, but he didn't play. No, he didn't. Who knows? Who knows? All right. With that said, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. God bless college football. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. If you want to toss in a question, 
You can email me, Gary at winningcureseverything.com. Make sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.